My name is Michelle, and I will be your moderator for this class. Welcome to the Madison, Wisconsin School. This is a school and not a church, and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year 1958. We hold classes in United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Madison branch was established in 1987. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that Elohim is the title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that produce a sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus or Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our father and his son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit. And in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on this chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, 
What was the name of the savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title <clears throat> may be had by reading the preface of a holy name Bible. Also at this school, we teach by the divine pattern of universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses to top Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary constitutional objectives and aims of the Institute are as follows. First up, you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law, or so-called law of nature, and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern, practical, and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the dragon, the devil, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth, the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, say the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And tenth, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. Our scripture reading this evening will be Second Peter, the second chapter. And that will please be read by Dr. Delilah Tucker of our Madison, Wisconsin School. And if we could begin with a prayer from Dr. Kobe Brown, also of the Madison, Wisconsin School. Thank you. Good evening, Joshuans. Let's take a minute and take a deep breath and clear away today's thoughts and woes and issues and take joy in this opportunity to come together as a body, a spirit, and Yahshua Messiah. Heavenly Father, we ask that you uh, allow us this time of peace to focus on that which you would have us see, learn, and understand, and give us a joyous heart as we do that, and smiles on our face as we think back on the individual blessings that you've given each and every one of us. And in our deepest, quietest, secret parts, we say, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Let the class say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Good evening, class. I'll be reading uh, Second Peter, second chapter. But there, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying Yahweh that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For if Yahweh spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly, and deliver, ju deliver just like vexed with the filthy conversations of the wicked. For the righteous man dwelleth among them in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from, the day to, from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Yahweh knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despite govern, despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusations against them before Yahweh. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, as they that counted pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings, while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery, and they cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart that they have exercised, exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozar, who loved the rages of, of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb ass, speaking with man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophet. These are well with wells without water, clouds that are carried with the tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they are lured through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, 
of the same is he brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Yahweh and Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. But it had been better for them not to have known the right the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it but it is happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the soul that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Thank you. Our readers this evening will please be Dr. Kelly Gagno and myself, both of the Madison, Wisconsin School. Welcome everyone, glad everyone could join us this evening. A special welcome to our visiting brethren from various branch schools. We appreciate you coming. Also a warm welcome to anyone that would be watching us on YouTube tonight. Thank you for being here. We will begin class with a three speaker format with each speaker having approximately 35 minutes. And the first speaker we'd like to invite onto the floor is Dr. Karen Gagno of the Madison, Wisconsin School. Good evening. Good evening. Thanks, Michelle. <laughs> um, Good evening. <laughs> I was afraid nobody heard me, sorry. <laughs> um, that's the, the, the downside of being on Zoom, right? So, um, but the upside is that we get to be together and that, um, that we're here and that we can learn of our savior. Um, because what if we were never invited to this great gospel, to this great gathering? You know, it's sometimes, you know, we, we kind of think, oh, I'm too tired or, you know, I, I'm not really into Zoom or whatever. But then I think, well, what if I was never invited in the first place? I, I want to be here. Um, I have to be here, but I want to be here to learn as much as I can. And um, anyway, so it's kind of goes with this very uplifting scripture, Steve, um, that um, we are in a world filled with corruption as, um, why don't we get um, um, Genesis where Noah, um, had his vision, let's see. Six, Genesis six and four. And why did he have this? Okay, yep, six, six uh, is what I want, but we can start there. Genesis six and four. There were giants in the earth, 
in those days. And also after that, with the sons of Yahweh came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old, men of okay. renown. You know, we're, we're in this creation, and a lot of times we feel like there's no way we can get ahead, maybe, with all this, you know, the, the um, uh, we, inflation goes, is more than, you know, than our raises and stuff, so we can, sometimes we feel like there's just too much to overcome sometimes. There's always something, you know, you own a house, there's always something that needs to be prepared. Like we can't, there's just giants in the land, but there's also giants in the earth or we're made of the earth. So there's giants in our brain as well that sometimes it's, we feel like we just can't overcome. Go ahead. I have about so many different things in my brain. Sorry, I'm kind of mixing them up. Go ahead. And they always saw that the wickedness of man <clears throat> was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. All right. And so the wickedness of man, thank you, Callie. The wickedness of man was great in the earth. So there's giants and the wickedness of these giants and of man um, is great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart is evil continually. So it's not necessarily, you know, that they um, um, smoke cigarettes, right? Or they drink. I, I remember having a conversation with an in-law and they were talking about how great this one Christian college was because they didn't allow smoking and they didn't allow dancing. Like that was something that was evil, right? And so, but here Yahweh is saying it's the imagination and the thoughts of his heart. It's not what he was putting into his mouth, but what was coming out, right? What was coming out of his brain that was evil continually. So if we go back to um, the scripture reading, um why don't we just start at one second peter two and one uh-huh but there were false prophets also among the people even as there shall be false teachers among you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies even denying yahweh that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction all right, so why don't we look up um, heresies? What does that mean? So if, they're, if these okay. false teachers, right, that um, we're supposed to be learning about our creator, right? Um, let's see. In Strong's from the Greek 139, uh -huh. um, properly a choice that is specifically a party or abstractedly, abstractly disunion. Disunion? Mm-hmm. Heresy is the Greek word itself. 
da, da, da. It, it says it comes from the word 138, which means to take for oneself, to prefer to choose, to take for oneself, to choose by vote, elect office. Okay. So here these false teachers are bringing in um, the, are teaching you that it can be your own choice who you choose and that it's your, you can save yourself, so to speak, right? Um, because the next one is denying Yahweh that bought them, right? So didn't, um, we were bought and paid for by a price, by Yahshua, right? He was, um, 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 slain before the foundation of the world, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and he also died, took sin out of the way completely. So now you have all these religions here, false prophets telling you you have free will, and um, but yet there's still sin. You know, people are sinning. Uh, my um. My brother-in-law was hit by a car when he was a young boy, 12, I think. Um, anyway, so he's been in a wheelchair since he was a young man. And he would go from church to church just finding he wanted to walk so bad. And they kept telling him it was his, he didn't have faith enough to get up and walk. So he would, they would lay it all on him that it was his fault that he couldn't get up and walk, that he had a choice, that he had a, a way to um, heal himself, right? And um, that it, that the creator couldn't do it on his own, no matter what he did. And that's denying grace right there. It's not what we can do, but um, what, but believing that our creator is, is, um, will deliver us from this unrighteousness. Um, why don't we get, let's see. I don't know. Um, why don't we get Revelation 12 and 8? And then um, let's see. Let's get, and then, oh, I don't know. Um, Why don't we get Exodus? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'll just say, I, I don't know. Um, I'm kind of distracted here. Um, you know, we see that Yahweh brought up the children of Israel, right, out of darkness. They were in the land of Egypt. They were slaves. And they couldn't bring themselves up out of there, right? They were brought down there 
because of the famine, but then they sold themselves and they're slaves. And then there's that darkness and they, you have a land that is just um, uh, worshiping many, many gods. And isn't that where we are? We're in this darkness in this creation where people, you know, worship um, their, their politicians, they worship their ministers, they worship, you know, whatever, their cars. And um, we're in this, this creation that is, um, that has what? How many tens of thousands of Christian religions besides, you know, whatever other ones, Jewish faith, the Baha'i, the, you know, um, all the different religions. So, there is a darkness in the land. And what is that darkness? It's a darkness of not knowing the truth, right? Because Yahshua is the light. And, and he wants to bring that light. Um, like in heaven, there was... Um, you know, everybody was looking at Satan until Yahshua showed himself. Um, so we can see that, that um, if that group of people, if the Egyptians or the Israelites could be saved up out of that bondage without... Um, Anything that they could do, they couldn't fight Pharaoh and his host, right? They were afraid of them, and they they got to the Red Sea, and the sea was on one side, and Pharaoh and his host was on the other side. And what did um, what did um, what did they say? Um, Stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh. So it wasn't anything that they did. They the false prophets say it's something you can do, denying, let's see, in that first scripture, denying Yahweh that bought them. And um, let's see, is it later where in 20 that they escaped the pollutions through the knowledge of, of Yahweh and our Savior, Yahshua, and they can overcome death because that's what Yahshua did. Um, so if we can see that, that these people, they stood still, they saw the salvation of Yahshua and they were delivered up out of that bondage and darkness in Egypt into the wilderness. If we see, we're invited down here to learn about um, Yahweh and through the law and the prophets, right? Um, then we can see that he could do that for us as well. And um, well, why don't we get, um, I called Revelation, why don't we just read that? Revelation 12 and eight, or do you want me to pick it up a little bit at seven? 
Um, yeah, it just, yeah, that's fine. There, there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought on his angels and prevailed not. Neither was okay. the place found anymore in heaven. Okay, so there's that war in heaven and that that devil was cast out and there wasn't a place for him anymore in heaven. So if you look um, with the children of Israel and they go up and then um, they're supposed to take Canaan land and, um, and get rid of all those tribes. Well, those tribes all have um, a meaning. Let's see, do I even have that anymore? I always thought this was really pretty that the tribes, Canaan's land, their meaning, um, like the Canaanites, um, it means, Canaanite means um, a peddler or a merchant to bend the knee, to humiliate, to vanquish, to bring low. Um, so, and then the Hittites means to break down by violence or confusion or fear. Uh, the Jebusites mean to trodden or trample, to loathe. So there's all these, these um, not very nice things. And those are, that's, you know, so you have the court roundabout or Egypt, and then the holy place, which is the wilderness and the most holy place or heaven, which is Canaan land, which is our, is, typified of our brain. So we have these things in our head that are not allowed in heaven. Yahweh wanted us to, um, wanted the Israelites to get rid of all the tribes and to, so that they could take the land. Because these, these thoughts and imagination that is evil continually are not allowed in heaven and Yahweh is redeeming us from that or or he bought us and for that price and he is bringing us up out of that darkness into a righteousness peace and joy okay I see that thank you so what we want in heaven is that righteousness peace and joy and so Satan was cast out of heaven. There's no place for him. So we have to give that credit to Yahshua and look unto him, the author and finisher of our faith. And how we are delivered is by, the, by knowing him, by the knowledge of Yahweh. And so and in that, we are clothed in him um, and so that we can go back unto the Father in, in righteousness and not have those that evil continuously. Um, so anyway, it's through the knowledge now. Yahshua said, um, you know, where I go, there you may be also. And where was he? He's standing right in front of them. And you can be in heaven now. And so what we have to do is accept that invitation that Yahshua has brought us down here to learn about him and learn as much as we can, because that will be that, that peace that we're all seeking. So thank you for the time. Thank you. 
I would like to acknowledge that we have a returning visitor that has joined us. It is her second class. Welcome. And our next speaker this evening will please be Dr. Callie Gagno of the Madison, Wisconsin School. Oh. <clears throat> and maybe Karen, could you help read them? Yes, I can. Okay. Um, well, last time, if you'll remember, we talked about the, the names um, and how our creator has a name, and that name is Yahweh. And it's an important name because it brings salvation, eternal life, and life to every breathing thing and everything as we talked about before. Um, so that's an important thing about what we, <clears throat> I guess you could say believe down here, but what we've come to understand is probably a better way to put it. Um, and a significant difference between us and the rest of the world because the rest of the world is comfortable with calling our creator by a, a title and not even a title that he has um, allowed us to use like the, the word Elohim is a title which he has given us because it means almighty provider. Um, so it's something that they're allowed to use sometimes, but God is something people just chose to call him just because. And so they deny every time they say that the true name. I'm sorry, I am pet sitting. And now that I'm talking, the dogs think it's playtime. I'm trying to make that stop. Um, okay. So we talked about the names. The other, another important aspect that we talk about in class is something called the tabernacle pattern. Actually, I'm gonna go back for a second. So we talked about how the name Yahweh was given to Moses at um, the burning bush. And he also, I don't remember if we talked about, he had a vision up there on the mountain. We can get that if you want. That's Exodus. Um, they all saw us uh, 24. It's right on the chart. Hold on. It's 24, one, two, and then nine through 18, but we don't have to get all that. Um, but Moses went up on the mountain and got something that we call the 10 commandments and but a whole bunch of other ordinances as well um that the jewish people still follow to this day um but the 10 commandments you might be familiar with because that's something that a lot of christianity uses in their doctrine as well and that comes from this scene that we see right here where Moses, after he led the children out of Israel in that classic story um, into the wilderness, he went up to Mount Sinai and was given a vision by Yahweh and was given instructions 
that the people had to follow, different rules that they had to follow, like we know, thou shall not kill, blah, 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 blah. Um, but another thing that he gave them that isn't talked about quite as much, but the word you might be familiar with because it is thrown around in Christianity and other religions a lot, it's called the tabernacle. And it's this structure that we see right here. And the structure in itself is, is important, not because we need to rebuild the structure, but because of what it teaches us and how the patterns of this tabernacle translates into every single thing you see, experience, touch with any of your senses is related to this tabernacle in some way. Not necessarily, again, the structure that we're looking at and the picture we're looking at here, but there's so many principles that Yahweh is trying to show us through the structure and function of this tabernacle, which I'm about to explain in more detail, um, that explain, if you've ever heard of it, people say you're made in the likeness and image. That's a scripture, if we can get it. You're made in the likeness and image of God. People say you're, you're made to look like God. I don't know if you've heard that before, but it's a common thing that people say. And gosh, I am talking, madam. Sorry. Um, Roxy agreed with that, but we're chilling her out. Um, so that's a common thing that people say, but this is how you understand that that's true. You may not literally look exactly like our creator, but the principles that I'm about to talk about from this, this tabernacle, which is basically a tent with an, a courtyard around it. There's two rooms within this huge tent, and then there's a courtyard around it. And this is kind of a room, I, I, religious structure. It was a place that the Jewish people had to go to present sacrifices when they broke the law that Moses got up here. So when someone was a bad boy or a bad girl, they had to bring their sacrifice here, not in a sense that was talking to their priest, whatever, who would then perform services for them within this tent structure that would save that person's life, basically according to the rules and structure and function that Yahweh put in place in building this structure. So again, it's a tent with two rooms that we're gonna look at in more detail. It's just kind of hard to visualize sometimes with a courtyard around it. And then all the tribes of Israel, which there were 12 tribes as was mentioned before. Um, there's 12 tribes of Israel. You can even zoom in here a little bit, sorry. And they all gathered around this structure. And whenever they moved anywhere, they always, yeah, when they settled, they gathered around that structure in the same order and what have you, okay? All right, so let's talk about it. Oh, did anybody get the scripture? Someone's chatted. Um, did you want the likeness and image or did you want Exodus? Let's get both because I kind of went a little fast. Let's slow it down. Go back to Exodus first and then do the likeness and image of your creator and then go from there. 
Okay, Exodus 24 and 1. And he said unto Moses, Come up unto Yahweh, thou and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship you afar off. Okay, so as I said, after Moses, this is an this is kind of, this whole thing that we're looking at here is a chart, as we call it, um, but it's basically a huge painting that we use for instructions. All, each one of these images that we're going to look at here are all different things that we've painted, not to be put up in a museum, but literally for instruction and to help talk about these things and to visualize these things. So um, here you can see there's a thing called Egypt right down here. So they took people out of Egypt. They went across this Red Sea. They came over here. They're finally free of the Egyptians. They're free of their slavery. They're out here. Woohoo! Yay! Happy, happy, joy, joy. Then Yahweh talks to Moses and says, hey, I want you to come up here onto this mountain. So every, so again, Moses, some of the elders, and then Aaron, Nadab and Abayu all went up there and they saw Yahweh Elohim standing there. They had a whole vision. And then, but as I said, they talk about the commandments, not with all these people, but just with Moses. We can cut to that. Can we get just one or two scriptures that talks about that? It's within there, I'm pretty sure. What were you looking for? Um, Exodus 20. Um, yeah, we're just something about him talking to Moses about giving him rules. Just Okay, Exodus 20 and one. And Elohim spake all these words saying, I am Yahweh thy Elohim, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Mm -hmm. Thou shalt not make it unto thee any graven images or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Is okay. that yep. yep, that's fine. So that's that's some of the that's the beginning of some of the Ten Commandments, talking about you know, you're not going to have any idols, no gods before me. Going to go on to say, don't kill people. So that's why we've kind of depicted this mouth here coming out of spirit, materializing a little bit as a cloud, and talking. And here's the Ten Commandments. Again, here's the Ten Commandments. Whatever. So mm -hmm. all of that stuff is why they need this tabernacle. And now we're going to talk about what it does after we get that scripture. That's right. That says we're made in the likeness and image of our creator. Genesis 1 and 26. And Elohim said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So Elohim created man in his own image. In the image of Elohim created he him. Male and female created he them. Okay, so it continues to say we're made in the likeness and image of our creator. And a lot of times people are like, that makes no sense. But this is how it makes sense. Because 
our creator. Oh gosh, we're not gonna, okay. This is, this is how it makes sense, talking about the pattern. So here is a blown up image of what it would look like. So again, these two things are a tent. And then this is just kind of um, a wooden, hard structure-ish, just protecting around it and a court inside as well. So this is how our body is made in the likeness and image of this tabernacle, first of all. So this tabernacle has three parts, okay? Like I said, there was the tent structure and within the tent structure, structure there is two, two different places. The most holy place, that's one room. And there's a veil, this blue, purple, scarlet veil separates it. Then there's the holy place. Again, there's kind of a veil separating it and a door that leads into the tent area. Then around this whole tent space is the court roundabout, which is the third section. So there is three sections, but one structure, okay? When we go over to our body, we have the same principle. Now, again, our creator does not work in just like, all manifestations are going to be different. He works in principles. Okay. So we have to look at the ultimate underlying. I don't have another word other than principle um, theme. Other than each individual manifestation and comparing them to each other, because if you look at a tent and you look at a person, you're going to say, I'm crazy. Why did, why would you say these two things are the same, but they are in principle. And that's what our creator does with everything. There's millions of manifestations of beautiful things, but they all are beautiful. And that's the principle, you know what I mean? So looking at the principles here, there's three parts of this tabernacle, okay? And there are three major parts of your body. I argue that if you cut off your arms and legs today, you would still be able to live. It would be really boring and it'd be really difficult, but you could do it, okay? You cannot live without the three major parts of your body, your head, your chest cavity, and your abdominal cavity, which they do talk about these three different parts separately when you go to biology classes and other things like that. They talk about your abdomen, they talk about your chest, which has even more scientific names that I don't remember in your head, okay? So let's talk about the court roundabout. In the court roundabout, there are three things that go on there. There is a, I guess you could call it a grill, um, a just fire going on all the time with a grading system over top where they would sacrifice things simple, simple things or really big things like cows or whatever. Um, it depended on what rule you broke. That's not the point that we're going to get into here. But the point is for this piece that there was a sacrifice that happened, a burning that happened, a death that happened in order for you to live. For example, um, let's say someone's Bob stole something from Fred. Bob 
knows he did wrong. So he has to bring a sacrifice to the tabernacle. So let's say the, the sacrifice is the chicken. So he has to bring a chicken. That chicken has to die and be sacrificed. Okay. For Bob to continue to live. That's the rules at this point in time. That's what's going on here. So this is the death burning, what have you. Also, something to note is that there are four horns on the structure. Let's blow it up just a titch here. There's four horns on the structure. And on the horns um, are four points of blood. Okay. So there's a death, there's a burning, and there's four points of blood, a grating system. It's also a huge, big square. Okay. And when we go over to our body, in our abdomen, at the very bottom of our abdomen, we have something called the small and large intestines. Okay. And in, sorry. In the small and large intestines, the large intestine, as you can see, surrounds the small intestine. Okay. And the small intestines, they say are like a mile long. If you take your intestines out, they're a mile long or something like that. So they're all bunched up inside your body and look very similar to a grading system. And the principle of what your intestines are doing is burning and breaking down and sacrificing your food. All the food you eat was once alive. You cannot eat rocks. I mean, you hypothetically could eat rocks, but it will not do anything for you. It will give you no nutritional value whatsoever. You will die if all you eat is rocks. So the things that we eat, plants, they were alive. Sorry, you killed it to eat it. Animals, that burger, that was that was the cow that you killed to, to have that burger. Not Maybe not you killed specifically, but someone killed it. It's dead. So something has to die for us to live. That is the principle of life. In fact, they talk about it in the Lion King, the circle of life, okay? So we know that from a young age, from the time we're children, we understand that that's a thing and we can see that that's a thing. So we have a burning here. Our things, the food that we eat gets burned right here in our small intestines and in our large intestines that's in a square formation around them. Okay, so there's four different, there's the ascending, the tra transverse, the descending and the sigmoid colon that go around and basically, not an exact square, but again, it's the principle of the thing. This is where burning happens. Then the four points of blood, that even comes into play here when four major like um, blood- Oh, like arteries. Yeah, arteries, that's the word. Four major arteries feed this system into, into those big um, sections of the uh, large intestine. There are four points of blood. A huge artery here comes in and feeds things. A huge artery over here, one over here, one over here. So again, Four points of blood, a burning, a grating, all happening right within our body. So the principle is, again, we are made in the likeness and image of this tabernacle, which is a pattern that is a representation of our creator. We can't get into that. Let's just talk about the tabernacle for now. Gosh, 
This is hard. Okay, so that's the first structure. Then we go in and you see that there's this um, laver, we call it the laver of water. So it's just a big bowl of water on a stand where they would take that said chicken that Bob had to, sac had to bring to sacrifice and they would clean it up before they would kill it. So they would clean it up. So there's a principle of washing here. They would wash sacrifices. I believe they wash their hands as well. There's a cleaning up here that happens. Okay, that's the point, cleaning. Okay, when we go over into our body, we have something called the kidneys. Coincidentally, those kidneys, <laughs> um, those kidneys are put into a shape that is similar to a basin of water on the outside. And what these kidneys do is clean your blood. So there is a cleaning principle that happens there. Okay, there's a whole lot more that can be talked about here, but I'm not comfortable <laughs> going in super deep because I'm not as good at some of the science, but this is just so beautiful to me, how beautifully this works. So there's a cleaning that happens here. So there's a cleaning that happens over here and there's a cleaning that happens over here. Then all the priests, before they could enter the holy place, most holy place, had to anoint themselves with a holy anointing oil. So there's this oil that they had to put on their forehead that was supposed to um, move them, quicken them to perform their work perfectly as they went about their business working in this structure, okay? The reason for that is because they can't they can't mess anything up they have to do it right because it has to be a certain way to follow the structure and function that yahweh wants in place in this um tabernacle pattern okay so they add holy anointing oil now what could that be in our body we go over to our body we have something called the adrenal glands and they secrete this um Adrenaline, they secrete a hormone that pumps through your body and causes you to be hyper-focused and diligent and able to perform whatever task you were trying to do or confronted with perfectly. For example, a child stuck under a big heavy rock and the mom freaks out and all of a sudden with no warning is able to lift that rock just for a few seconds long enough for her child to be get, gotten free. Um, and then she can't do that anymore. But the point is it quickened her and moved her to do what she needed to do perfectly. And she made no mistakes. And you'll often find when adrenaline starts going that people are able to do amazing things very quickly because of that, that hormone and that ability. And that's what that principle is, being able to do what you need to do when you need to do it. <laughs> a quickening, a quickening, okay? A spiritual um, awareness and quickening, okay? Then we come into what's called the holy place. Um, that is our um, chest cavity, okay? Remember? So what to get into what's called the holy place or the first room in our tent, we have to go through this and you can kind of see it here it says door okay there's a door here and in our body we have right here gosh i need some water real quick hold on 
right here in our body, unfortunately, it's not pictured. We have what's called the diaphragm. Okay, and our diaphragm is kind of um, a barrier, a gateway between uh, all of our chest organs and all of our abdominal organs. Okay, um, and our diaphragm helps us breathe. So it's pushing in and out, up and down, kind of like a veil would slightly wave in the wind and what have you. There is also the door here. Literally, there was a door, so you had to get in just through a small little doorway and right through our, right through our diaphragm is a vein called the portal vein, or if you look up portal, that's another word for door. So we have a vein going right through our body, right in between our quote unquote court roundabout or abdomen and our holy place called the portal. Why did someone decide to call it portal? Because Yahweh inspired them to call it portal because there has to be a door there in your body, okay? And our diaphragm is the barrier between our abdomen, court roundabout, and the most holy place. Now we get into the holy place, okay? And there's three structures in there as well. The first one we see over here, you might be kind of familiar with, maybe from watching movies with uh, Jewish um, characters or what have you, or having Jewish friends. Um, this is a candlestick with seven branches. Okay. Um, and there's one in the center and the other three branches stand alone. I mean, sorry. Wow. <laughs> there's one in the center and then the other three, uh, sets have pairs. Okay. Um, this is correlated, this lamp that would be lit whenever it was dark, because there always had to be light in the holy place. Um, so it always had to be lit pretty much. Um, it is correlated to, in principle, to our heart and the um, branch of arteries that come off of our heart. There is- The aortic arch. Yes, thank you. So there is the aortic arch, which comes off the, the front, or sorry, which comes off alone, just like this. And then there are three sets of two arteries. I don't know all their names, doesn't matter right now. Um, there's other veins that branch off of, sorry, not veins, arteries that branch off of the major artery, which is the aortic arch. And that um, aortic arch and those arteries are pumping blood um, to the heart, I think. I don't remember. Anyway, I sorry, to the lungs. Um, but as they're pumping, they're kind of, they're going boom, 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 boom. And they're pushing, flicking blood through the veins. Um, and blood is correlated to life. Um, we need our blood in us to be alive. If we lose too much blood, we die. So there's a correlation in a lot of poetry and things to that being life. There's also correlation- You have five more minutes. Great. There's also Great. correlation to the candlestick, uh, not candlestick, to 
candles having light and light being a synonym for life as well. So again, there's this flickering of life and co consistent life that's always constantly there. Same thing with these arteries that are constantly pushing um, blood to be um, dispersed throughout your body and bringing that life throughout your body, okay? Then in the five minutes we have left, I'll try to go through this quick. We have a table here as well. This table, again, was a square table um, with this beautiful gold um, filigree, pretty gold stuff around it to look kind of like a crown. Um, and then there was 12 loaves of bread, I believe. Yes, 12 loaves of bread to signify the 12 tribes that I talked about that stood around the tabernacle. Um, those loaves sitting there, this table, the gold filigree all connects to our heart. Our heart has been referenced many times, again, in poetry and maybe even in the Bible, I don't know, of being a table that we eat off of because that's where most of our blood is stored and that's how liter we literally get our nutrients. Obviously, food goes into our stomach, but it's worthless to us until it's transferred into um, the nutrients that we need and put into our blood and dispersed throughout our body. So the heart is the table where that blood is prepared and stored before it's dispersed out either to get nutrients or to give nutrients, okay? And there's 12 kinds of blood that are pumped through our body at all times. There's 12 loaves of bread on this table, okay? There is gold filigree around this table. There is a fatty gold tissue around the, the heart that's called um, the coronary something, I don't know. Um, but it means crown. It basically looks like a fatty crown around the heart. When you, when you cut something open and you look at a heart, it is surrounded by fatty tissue protecting it that looks like if you if you will, a crown. So there's a crown around this table. There's a crown around this heart. There's, um, there's four, this is a square table. So there's four sides. There's four chambers of the heart. Okay. It just, we can go on and on and on, but it's just so beautiful how nicely this correlates. Then the third structure in the holy place is the altar of incense. This is where priests like this guy and this guy, whatever, would come and um, offer prayers to our creator, Yahweh. And our creator gave them a specific mixture that only the high priest, one person, the high priest knew, but they would make that mixture and have it going all the time as a sweet scent for for the for their creator that he wanted and that scent was made up of four main ingredients just like our own air that we breathe we have lungs that are our altar of incense that is our altar of daily prayer as we talked about please get psalms 150 real quick and then i'll be done um 
this is our altar of incense. This is this is where we offer up our prayer. Okay, because our air that we breathe, as you may know, consists of oxygen, carbon, nitrogen, and hydrogen, four major ingredients that make up the air we breathe. So yes, we need oxygen to survive, but you will find that you also breathe in nitrogen, carbon, and hydrogen as well. And that goes into your lungs, four ingredients. And you, as you inhale, exhale, you are submitting your consistent prayer unto your creator because who's got the scripture? Psalm 150 and six. Let everything that hath breath praise Yahweh. Praise okay. ye Yahweh. The reason they're saying that, again, is because I, okay, because we literally breathe the name of Yahweh. I don't remember if we talked about this last time. But when you breathe in, you're saying Yah. When you breathe out, you're saying Way. Yes, it doesn't always sound exactly like that. But we can't always just say, oh, I really like... <gasps> that would be weird and we wouldn't know if you were just breathing or if you were actually saying his name so we have to enunciate it in some way so Yahweh is how we say it in actual letters and words but we literally breathe our creator's name with every breath that we take so it's ignorant to deny that his name is Yahweh as I said before so we are offering our daily prayer by going which is why your doctor and everyone else says that breathing is so powerful, but they don't understand why, because it's literally a prayer to our creator, a, a declaration to our creator that we know his name and that we praise his name. And we appreciate that he has given us another second of life and another second of time to sit and understand him and learn about him and know him as he truly is and actually exists. Um, so offer up that daily prayer every moment that you can and try to um, focus on it sometimes because it will be peace. It will bring you lots of peace, I think, everybody. So anyway, thank you so much for the time. Thank you. Our next speaker this evening will please be Dr. Sasha Rachmiliewicz of the Madison, Wisconsin School. Uh, good evening, everyone. Can you hear me well? We do. Great. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed what uh, uh, Kelly was talking about, and I'm going to uh, continue. I'm not going to take all time. I'll probably spend 20, 25 minutes and give you a chance for last speaker uh, to talk. But I would like to continue because uh, uh, Kelly didn't finish because not because she didn't want to, but uh, because of the uh, shortage of time. Now, uh, Kelly, if you know Kelly, you know she is not a medical doctor, but uh, she was talking about and very well about this anatomy of um, uh, the physical body. Now, I was trained as a medical doctor and I learned the anatomy and physiology of the human body. 
but I never knew and I didn't even ask the question why the human body is made the way uh, it is made. And only coming to this class, as uh, Kelly was uh, uh, trying to show, and I will try to do it as well, we can understand that we are made this particular way uh, to reflect our creator, because our creator creates everything by the pattern of himself. And therefore, the physical body, we read in Genesis, the man is made in the likeness and image of our creator. And uh, let's uh, read, I don't think we read it, but maybe I forgot. Let's read in Hebrews uh, 8 and 5. So in Genesis, like the first book of the Bible, we read about man being made in the likeness and image of the creator. Among the last books of the Bible, we read about uh, the tabernacle. Hebrews 8 and 5, please. Hebrews 8 and 5. Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of Yahweh when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that you make all things according to the pattern showed to you in the mount. But Thank now, you. okay, no, that's that's fine. So um, the man was made in the likeness and image of uh, uh, our Creator or heavenly things, because uh, our Creator is heavenly being, and we read the tabernacle was uh, uh, it's a type and shadow of uh, heavenly things. Now, so therefore, it's like, um, uh, well, let me give you an example. It's like if you, uh, if you take my photograph uh, right now, and if somebody else, maybe on another uh, place in the world, in Russia, let's say, my original country, will uh, draw a portrait of me, uh, or paint a portrait of me, and if you compare my portrait uh, like on canvas with a photograph, different people, different countries, different media, but you will recognize the similarity because they are both uh, reflecting me. Therefore, we see how physical body and the tabernacle correlate with each other because they're reflecting the same uh, creator. Now I want, I want to continue where uh, Kelly stopped. Kelly was uh, talking about the holy place of the Bible. Uh, if somebody can uh, use the cursor and uh, show what I will be uh, uh, talking about. Now there is a veil between the holy place and the most holy place. And the veils in the tabernacle were made uh, with uh, uh, blue, purple, and scarlet. We can all read it, by the way, the description of tabernacle in 50 chapters in the Bible. Now, if we go to the physical body, this uh, veil between the holy place and the most holy place is uh, uh, correlated with our neck. So our neck has uh, uh, big veins, which is blue, 
and uh, uh, big arteries, which is uh, red color. They, uh, and also in the neck, uh, we have a thyroid gland. And thyroid gland secrete iodine. And if you look up iodine, we don't have time to do it uh, right now, but it means the purple. So we see the principle of blue, purple, and scarlet in our neck. Now, when we go to the most holy place, going back to the tabernacle pattern, we see a three in one uh, configuration. So it was a Ark of the Covenant with a mercy seat uh, on this Ark. And you see this two figur figurines of the angels or uh, cherubs or archangels uh, on the uh, ark. And uh, below the mercy seat was uh, uh, kind of a, you know, uh, the space where, where uh, they will put uh, 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 tables, two tables of stones with 10 commandments. Everybody know about 10 commandments. So there were two tables of stones and there were 10 commandments and there were uh, three commandments about worshiping Yahweh and uh, seven commandments on another table of stone about what people were supposed to do uh, or not in their uh, daily life. Now, uh, Yahweh said, we can read it in the Bible, that he will appear between the wings of these archangels as a cloud. So you can see a depiction of cloud between these archangels here. Now, cloud is the uh, uh, gray and white matter without any particular shape and form. Now, if you go back, if you go to the physical body, in our head, we see uh, we have brain. So brain is a great and a white matter, as we know. And brain doesn't have any particular uh, configuration. You know, the configuration it has is just restricted by bones, you know, but otherwise it really doesn't have a perfect, you know, shape and form. So the uh, cloud correlates with the brain. Now this archangels in the uh, tabernacle, the uh, angels uh, uh, described by the names, the most prominent angels in the Bible are the Michael, who was the warrior, and Gabriel, who was the messenger. Now, and there were witnesses, you know, in Yahweh's purpose. Now, in uh, our physical body, in our brain has two functions. It's a motory function and sensory function. So motory function correlates to Michael, who is the warrior, and sensory function correlates to Gabriel, who is a messenger. Now, as I said, it was a mercy seat, and uh, under the mercy seat, uh, was stored uh, Ten Commandment law 
in uh, uh, two tables of stones. Now, in our physical body, there is a, a substance called turcosidalica in the brain, and under, under it, you don't see on that particular uh, chart, but in our physical body, uh, under this turcosidalica, uh, is positioned the pituitary gland. Pituitary gland is the master gland of the body, which secretes hormones. Uh, like this Ten Commandment law was the master law for the children of Israel, because all this law, the commandments to them, what they're supposed to do or not supposed to do. So hormones and commandments to our body, like a growth hormone, it's uh, commanding the body when the boy or girl achieve 13, 14 years old to start, you know, there is a growth spurs, you know, at that particular age, usually. Why? Because it's a growth hormone kicks in and tells the body to start growing in accelerated uh, rate and so forth. Now, there are two tables of stones with the uh, 10 hormones, three, uh, uh, sorry, with three, uh, 10 commandments, uh, which can be divided into three and seven. Now, pituitary gland, if you look at some medical books, you will find that pituitary gland functionally has two lobes called anterior and posterior lobe. And one lobe secrete three hormones and another lobe secrete seven hormones, total 10 hormones. Why is it so? Because we are made in the likeness and image of, the, uh, of our creator. And I would like to uh, talk uh, a, little more, a little more about it. Uh, would it be okay for me, Kelly, uh, to share the screen? Go ahead, you can share over me. Uh, thank you. So let me uh, show you this chart. Do you see this chart? Not yet. Hello? Oh, because I did, I didn't click share. No one, no, no wonder. So can you see it now? Yes. Okay. So just to show, because some people may not know how tabernacle looks like, like and uh, in three dimensions, but that's what the tabernacle uh, was. It was a tent, and to see this is a court roundabout. And uh, inside of it, you know, there is a, like a tent and you don't see it, but it's divided into holy place and most holy place. And it's surrounded by, you know, people and children of Israel camped around this tabernacle. Now we, as we already showed, you know, put it in a, like in a horizontal view so it will be easier uh, to talk about it. Now, uh, as we said that this uh, tabernacle uh, is uh, uh, manifesting or explaining something about our creator. Let's read please Romans 1, 19 and 20. Romans 
Romans 1 and 19. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. For Yahweh showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and supernal nature or Godhead so that they are without excuse. So we can understand the, our invisible creator uh, based on the things which he made. And he made the tabernacle, he made us, he made the physical body. So therefore we can understand him, even his supernal nature or Godhead. Now the supernal nature is uh, that uh, our creator, he is the father who is invisible. He is uh, the son, is like intermediate shape and form. And uh, he is uh, the Holy Spirit, you know, and the Christianity teaches the father, the son and the Holy Spirit, but they have an erroneous concept of Trinity, which I don't have time to go into right now. So, and you, and this tabernacle, you see, it has three parts. It most holy place, holy place and court round about, but it's one tabernacle pattern because our creator is unity. He is not three different persons. You know, all this tabernacle uh, functions in complete uh, unity. Now, this tabernacle, if you look at it, it's also correlate with the atom. Why? Because atom is also made by our creator and it has reflect his supernal nature, which is threefold. And it, it uh, does reflect it because atom is proton, neutron, and electron, three parts by one, but one atom. Now it's also reflected by the simplest uh, living uh, form, which is called the cell to reflect our creator. Now the cell has nucleolus, it has nucleus, and then it has physical body. And even within the cell, as you remember, Kelly was explaining within this tabernacle, she was saying that it was a, like a, a burning, constant burning in this tabernacle. Well, there is a constant burning in the cell in the organelle called mitochondria. And there are even more details. You see this gradient configuration in a mitochondria called CRIS, which is likened to this uh, gradient uh, system, you know, in the altar. Also in the uh, simple cell, you can see vacuoles. And there are two kinds of vacuoles. There is a water vacuoles. Why? Because there is a water in a uh, court roundabout. And it's also oil vacuole. Why? Because it was oil in the uh, court roundabout. So all is testifying to our uh, uh, creator. Now I want to talk about one more aspect of it. So that's what uh, Kelly was talking about. And uh, she was mentioning it, but I want to stress the importance of it or significance of this. 
Now, she was talking, for example, about this altar, how this altar correlates to intestine. Now, the altar and intestine don't look alike, and you will not, will never say that it's, you know, there is anything in common between it. But what is in common is invisible principle, is a principle of sacrifice, because on the altar, some, you know, the lamb uh, had to die, so the sinful people, uh, children of Israel, uh, will be uh, able to live, otherwise they will have to die. Now, in our physical body, somebody innocent, like a chicken or even plant, if the person is vegetarian, uh, has to die, so we will be able uh, to live from the physical standpoint. It's the same principle. And why it's important? Because remember, it reflects our creator. So it's uh, this tabernacle, this physical body, these correlations, we're going through, we're going through them to understand that it's our creator did the sacrifice for us. He came in the physical body as Yahshua the Messiah, who people erroneously call Jesus Christ and play his life for us. So we will be able to live from the spiritual standpoint because without knowing our creator and the first speaker Karen was talking about, it's a, it's a spiritual death. So we have to, uh, not to be in ignorance, we have to know our Heavenly Father. Now, the second vessel, it was the water. Again, this water doesn't really look like uh, a kidney, but uh, the principle is the same, it's cleansing. This water was cleansing sacrifice in the hands of the priest, and uh, the uh, kidney in our physical body is cleansing, uh, our blood from uh, in, impurities. And why it's important? Because it's testifying for what our creator it does for us. Because he is cleansing us from our erroneous uh, ideas about him. For example, it, it was already uh, said in the first uh, class and in today's class that uh, uh, Jesus is erroneous name because it was not letter J in Hebrew, Latin, or Greek language. He could not have been called Jesus. So his true name is Yasha. And this truth, you know, is supposed to cleanse us, hopefully, from impurities or spiritual impurities which we have, or our attachment if we have, and some people had attachments to the name. Jesus. Now, the next one is the oil with the principle of uh, quickening in the tabernacle, uh, and it's similar to adrenal uh, uh, gland, as Caleb was explaining. And uh, what uh, principle quickening is uh, showing? Quickening, uh, if you look it up, what it means, it means to bring life, to give life uh, or to resurrect. So it's showing the, the principle of giving life or resurrection. And it's pointing out to our Savior's resurrection 
and also to his invisible work with our soul because he wants to quicken it or to resurrect it by the preaching of the truth. Now in the holy place, there is a light in this um, um, uh, seven branch lampstand, which uh, correlates with the light of life as Kelly was talking about from this uh, aortic arch. And it's uh, the principle is uh, the spiritual light. When you see, for example, again, look, looking at the same example that yes, his name could not be in Jesus. It must be something but Jesus and, and the name of our uh, uh, heavenly father is Yahweh because we breathe his name. And he, it's, it's Yahshua, uh, or the Holy Spirit is, gives us this spiritualized uh, light or enlightening our understanding. So the uh, bread on this, uh, uh, in this tabernacle, which is correlated with the heart and heart gives sustenance of food uh, through, uh, through the blood uh, to our body, it's pointing out to the spiritual food because the truth which we hear in this class, it's a sustenance to our soul. Now this principle of intercession uh, with the arc uh, of um, uh, uh, prayer, so uh, arc of, uh, oh, what's the name of the arc I'm trying to- The altar of incense. Altar of incense. Altar, altar of incense, thank you. Altar of incense. It's uh, uh, correlating with the lungs and the principle is intercession. And what is intercession? It's our, the Holy Spirit is interceding uh, for us. It means, you know, we, uh, you know, can pray. We don't need to go to the priest uh, to pray to our heavenly father because the uh, heavenly priest is supposed to be within us who is our intercessor. And this is Yahshua, the Messiah. And uh, these witnesses, if we go to the most holy place, the witnesses in this tabernacle, they uh, uh, and uh, correlate to the two functions of our uh, uh, brain, and it's correlate to the witnesses uh, in the Bible, to the law and to the prophets, because we don't ask us to believe whatever we say, we ask you to, uh, to, you know, to ask us to give you witnesses, to, to verify what we are saying. And we verified from the physical creation. This is the lecture today. And also from the Bible. I'll have several minutes to go to the Bible a little bit before I end. So now the law in this tabernacle, which correlates uh, with this uh, hormones or the law for our physical body, it correlates with the invisible law or the law of the spirit of life. Because if we have the Holy Spirit, it's Holy Spirit governs us and tells to our conscience what we 
should do, what we shouldn't do. We don't read the uh, books, what we're supposed to do or not supposed to do, because the law will be uh, in within us. And uh, uh, finally, you know, uh, this unity in the uh, uh, holy place of this uh, three-in-one configuration uh, of uh, archangels and, uh, and uh, the ark and the unity of the operation of our brain testify to the unity of uh, our creator, who is the father, the son, and the uh, Holy Spirit. Now, if you look at the Bible, and I'll give you just an example uh, from the Bible. And there are many different things are in, on this chart. We call it the Moses chart, because mainly what's shown here is the track of children of Israel from Egypt through wilderness of Sinai to the Canaan's land. But you can see that it goes according to the same pattern. It was a blood in the tabernacle. There is a blood of the Passover lamb in Egypt. You know, it was a water in tabernacle. They had to go through the waters of the Red Sea. It was the oil or the principle of spirit and tabernacle. They have to uh, follow the cloud. And it was the angel in the cloud leading the way. Now they come to the wilderness of Sinai, which is likened to the holy place. And uh, it was the light in this tabernacle. It was light in the wilderness of Sinai because it was light during the day. And during the night, this cloud, which was with them always, was the fiery cloud giving them light. Now, it was a bread in the tabernacle, and it was a manna, which is the bread coming from heaven all the time for 40 years. They were in this wilderness. And it was intercession in the tabernacle, and Moses was interceding with the children of Israel asking Yahweh to forgive them for all this 40 years. And then in Canaan's land, it was the promised land and it was unity was manifested in this land. And finally, I want to say uh, the following. Please read uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. Hebrew. Hebrews 11 and 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to Yahweh must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Yes. So first we have to believe that he is, that God or the creator or Yahweh, it, uh, he's, he's real. And how we can believe it? from different witnesses. Look at these witnesses on this chart, which Kelly and I were talking about. Now, this uh, uh, tabernacle was described in the Bible 3,500 years ago. Back then, people didn't have knowledge about anatomy, not to say physiology of the uh, physical uh, body. And there is more than we said that we can correlate it with the physiology of the body as well. Of course, they didn't know about then hormones or things like that. 
And uh, we're just uh, learning in the last uh, 50 years pretty much about anatomy and the physiology in detail about uh, of physical body. And we can correlate it on a cellular level. We can correlate it on a molecular level. Now, how is it possible that this tabernacle correlates with the physical body? You should ask yourself this question. For me, it is clear that you know our it's testifying to the reality of this of our creator. It's also testifying that the Bible is true. And it also testifying that Dr. Kinley, he really had the divine vision from the creator himself. Because this correlation between the tabernacle and the physical body were made uh, uh, public only when Dr. Kinley started giving the lectures or published the book. Before that, I challenge you to find in the literature or anywhere, but don't look on uh, in the Google because in the Google people picked it up and it's not a secret knowledge anymore because our teaching is not a secret one. But before Dr. Kinley's vision and revelation, it wasn't known. How did he know? He wasn't a medical doctor. He didn't finish sixth grade education in a, in a, in a school because Yahweh showed it to him. So hopefully you got uh, something out of it. And uh, thank you for your attention and praise be to Yashua. Thank you. I did miss acknowledging that Sasha is the president of our Madison, Wisconsin school. So I'd like to acknowledge that now. Thank you for that. Also, our final speaker this evening will be the Dean of the Oceanside, California Branch School, Dr. Dennis Volpe. Okay, first thing, uh, I want to get a sound check. Can everybody hear me okay? Yes. All right, great. Well, I'll just take a few minutes to summarize uh, what I feel this teaching is really driving us to. Now, our founder, as it was said by the last speaker, said that in 1931, he received a panoramic vision and a subsequent revelation direct from the Creator. Now, he did not want us to believe that just because he made that claim. He asked us to make him prove it to our satisfaction. Now, this teaching is all about bringing to your awareness that it is possible for you to actually come to know and have a profound knowledge of your Creator as He actually is and truthfully exists. Now, would you please, uh, somebody read for me the first aim of the school. To help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as He really is and actually exists. Now, that's the first and starting aim of the school. And what I want you to realize is that most of us were taught in religious upbringing. Back to the Moses chart, please. Most of us were taught in our religious upbringing that uh, God, uh, you have to believe that there is a God, and then when you die, you'll meet him, and that's when you'll learn of him. In fact, that nothing could be further from the truth. Yahweh did not set up his purpose for you to 
just blindly accept that he existed, that he was real, but actually provided a way for you to come to a knowledge and understanding of him. Let's go over for a minute, and King James Version, if you don't mind, I want you to read John uh, 4.23, I believe it is. John 4 and 23. <clears throat> but the hour comes and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, here's the Messiah speaking to a woman. She was a Samaritan woman. And he said that Yahweh, uh, there's a time that the true worshipers are going to worship the Creator in spirit and in truth. Now, if he's saying the true worshipers, then obviously somebody can be worshiping that is not a true worshiper. That is not worshiping in spirit and in truth. Go ahead, read the next verse, please. For the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yahweh is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, in order for you to worship him, you have to know the truth. And you're going to need the spirit of truth in order to know the truth. Now, the truth is that Yahweh actually does exist and has actually backed up and proved his own existence by his creation. Now, one of the speakers, <coughs> excuse me, I believe it was Sasha, had Romans 119 and 20 read, which Paul talks about how that the natural things are expressing the things of Yahweh. Now, let's go get that real quick. Romans 119. Go ahead. Romans 1 and 19. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. Now wait a minute. If it wait a minute, if it was impossible for you to know something about God, then why would Paul say, because that which may be known? Now we're not saying you can know everything about God. We're saying that there is something that can be known about him. And it has to be manifested. Read. For Yahweh hath showed it unto them. Go ahead. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. How can you clearly see something invisible? The word invisible means you can't see it. So how do you clearly see something that you can't see? Now that would seem to be contradictory until you understand what Paul is trying to express here in principle. Now, the invisible things of Yahweh are spirit. We read just a minute ago that God is spirit or that Yahweh is spirit. Now, if you go to your minister and ask your minister, what is spirit? This is the answer that we got when we asked this question to our ministers, our priests, and so on. When we said, what is spirit? They said, God is spirit. Then when we said, okay, well, what is God then? They said, that God is spirit, and spirit is God. And really, you're not getting an answer. You're really not getting an understanding of what Yahweh is or how he actually exists. Now, the reason is that spirit is invisible to your natural senses. You can't detect it with your sight, with your hearing, with your smell, taste. You can't touch it. It's beyond your ability to comprehend and perceive. 
Now, what I want you to know is that Yahweh exists in a state. And this is what was revealed to our Father, that Yahweh exists in a state of what he referred to as pure spirit. And in that state, he did not have descriptive or describable shape and form. That he was incomprehensible and inscrutable in that state. Now here's what spirit is. Our founder began to teach us what was shown to him. Spirit actually is attributes. Yahweh consists of primarily nine attributes. Knowledge, intelligence, wisdom, love, beauty, justice, and foundation, power, and strength. Those attributes are not something that is that he that he has Yahweh is knowledge he is wisdom he is intelligence he is love he is power he is strength in other words in that state of pure spirit he cannot be understood and and you can't describe it so if somebody said to you well what does knowledge look like how big is it what color is it what shape is it you couldn't give them a description of it Every one of those divine attributes that are spirit have to be made manifest. They have to be manifested for you to comprehend and know what knowledge is, what wisdom is, intelligence, what love is. If somebody came up and said, I love you, and never once acted with any kind of affection or caring, you wouldn't know what love really was. But when somebody is affectionate, they are caring, tender, and all those things, those things express the attribute of love. Now, Yahweh in that state, he is the pure attribute. And in order for him to be understood, he decided to take on shape and form right within himself. Now, the reason why he did that, because in that state of pure spirit, he is eternal and infinite. Yahweh doesn't have X amount of knowledge. He has infinite knowledge and infinite wisdom, no end of it. No searching the depths of it. And therefore, what he has to do in order to make himself known or understood is manifest a portion of his attributes through an embodiment where you can experience those attributes to know something about what Yahweh is in his pure spirit state. Now, the moderator in our class always says this at the beginning of every class, that on this chart, can you put that chart back so we can see the whole chart? Okay, thank you. What we have is the cloud going all the way around the chart. And as the moderator says, to demonstrate that in that state of pure spirit, all the creation, everything that exists in the universe that we could perceive abides within Yahweh's state of pure spirit. Somebody run over to get Acts 17 and 28, please. Pick it up the verse above it. Pick it up the verse above it. Acts 17 and 27. That they should seek Yahweh, if haply they might feel after him, and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Now watch. Paul just said... That we live, we exist inside of Yahweh. The whole universe exists inside of Yahweh. Yahweh is 
bigger than the universe itself. The universe is a created is something that he created right within himself. Everything that exists abides within Yahweh. And Yahweh in that state of pure spirit is so immense, so he, so infinite that in order for us to come to know anything about him, he had to condense himself down into a form that appeared to Moses and the prophets in visions and revelations known as Yahweh Elohim. That was Yahweh in an embodiment with a portion of his intelligence, knowledge, wisdom, uh, love, justice being demonstrated or manifested through that embodiment. That embody embodiment of Yahweh's divine attributes was a manifestation of what he is in his pure spirit state. Go over real quick at John 1 1, please. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Yahweh, and the Word was Yahweh. Now, now here's what J John is writing that in the beginning was the Word. Well, what does that mean in the beginning? Well, the beginning of what? Now, what Yahweh did in that pure spirit state is he devised or formulated, masterminded, our founder used to say, an entire purpose and plan that he would carry out and execute. Now, everything that exists is following Yahweh's purpose and plan. We refer to that as spirit law in operation. Now, what Yahweh elected to do was to bring forth offspring, that is to say creatures, that he would make himself known to his creatures. But in order for the creatures to comprehend, know anything about him, since it would be impossible for them to comprehend the totality of Yahweh, he limited himself to a demonstration or a condensed version of those attributes and manifested those attributes and would speak to mankind in visions and revelations. Now that word that you read in the beginning was the word is a reference to that form on top of Mount Sinai that Moses is seeing up there. Elohim, that Eloistic form, that incorporeal form at the top of Mount Sinai that Moses saw when he entered into the cloud and had a divine vision, that form was referred to as the Word all the way down through the Bible. The Word is not the Bible itself, the, the physical book. The Word is Yahweh Elohim. He is the expression of Yahweh himself, and a word is nothing more than an expression of a thought or an idea. And Elohim is the expressed image of the Father. He is the Word. Now in John 1, 1 it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with Yahweh, and the Word was Yahweh. That is Yahweh himself in that shape and form communicating with mankind. Now read 1.14. 1 and 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now that self-same superincorporeal being known as Yahweh Elohim, who was a uh, angel in the angelic creation as an incorporeal uh, uh, being, manifested in the flesh, took on shape and form right down into that physical body that we call the world calls him Jesus Christ, but his real name was Yahshua, which is a expression of the name Yahweh. That Yahweh is salvation. That was Yahweh Himself, right inside Yahshua the Messiah, speaking to those people, performing what they call those miracles and all the other things that He did. Now, what you have here, you don't have a Trinity. 
the world came up with this idea that the Trinity, that there's one God but three separate persons. That's not the way it is. There is one spirit manifesting himself in two manifestations. That manifestation of that incorporeal being and then the manifestation as a corporeal being, I mean a physical man. Now, Yahweh is going to make himself known through these two manifestations so that you can understand and know something about him. So when Paul said that that which may be known of Yahweh, what may be known of Yahweh is Yahshua the Messiah. He is the expression of the Father himself. And the invisible things of him, that's the spirit, spirit itself, because you can't see it, you can't perceive it, you can't understand it. But he said the invisible things are clearly seen. How are they clearly seen? Are you back? You still back in Romans 20, 120? Yes. yes. Read it. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Now listen, what everything that Yahweh made, believe it or not, is a physical demonstration or a manifestation of a spiritual principle. And that everything is declaring him that exists. Why? Because when Yahweh created not only the universe, but all the angels, you, me, the rock, your dog out in the backyard, everything is created from spirit. Spirit is the source and substance of all things that exist. And it's also the limits and bounds. As I said, the creation abides within Yahweh's spirit itself. Now, you are a product of that spirit. That is the source from which your very substance that you're made of came from. And the universe also was created from spirit. And it took on a... a, a all Yahweh did is he took his spirit and he materialized that spirit into a physical universe and creation that we live in. Now, everything came from spirit, and everything must return back to the source from which it came, ultimately. And it's really this simple to understand, that H2O, the molecule that we call H2O, uh, exists in three states. It exists in a gaseous state that you can't see, you can't uh, describe it, you couldn't tell me the shape of it. But when it condenses, it can form water. The same H2O that is gas can become a liquid. Now that liquid can be put in a container and take on the shape of a container. Then further, it can be cooled down to the point where it freezes and becomes ice. Now whether it's the gas, the liquid, or the solid, it's still just H2O, only in three different states. Now, what I want you to know is that everything that exists is trying to tell you about your Creator. Now, tonight they got into the tabernacle because the tabernacle is the blueprint or pattern or plan by which Yahweh made everything that exists. That pattern, ladies and gentlemen, will describe spiritual principles when you understand what He made and what it's trying to show you. And down here, that's what we're going to teach you. We're going to teach you how that the universe, the creation, your human body, uh, going out and planting a garden, I don't care what you do, is expre expressing the spiritual reality and purpose of Yahweh's purpose and plan. We can't explain it, obviously, in one class. We can't get it all out in 15 minutes. 
So what we have to do is we have to have ongoing classes and break these things open for you to be able to grasp, comprehend, and understand. I see it. Five minutes. Uh, grasp and, and understand something about Yahweh as he actually is and truthfully exists as demonstrated by his very creation that he made. Now let me tell you why that's so important. Let's go back to... Uh, uh, first of all, I started telling you how that in church they want us to believe that there's a God, but we won't know anything about him till after we die. Well, to the contrary, this is what Yahshua the Messiah said over in John the 17th chapter. I want you to read John 17 and 3, please. John 17 and 3. And this is life eternal. Now listen, John is saying, and this is life eternal. This isn't how you get it. This is what it is. Read. That they might know you, the only true Elohim. Now the way it, it correctly reads is this, that they might know Yahweh and Yahshua, whom he has sent. That is the correct reading of it. Now that, that has been changed in some Bibles. But it should be that this is life eternal, that they know that they know thee, the only true Yahweh, and Yahshua the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. Now eternal life is for you to know the Father, to come to a knowledge of him now. Not after you're dead, you're going to have to know him now to inherit eternal life. And to know something about the Son. Go over and get me uh, Matthew 11, I believe it is 27. Matthew 11 and 27. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knows the Son but the Father. Now, no one knows the Son except the Father. Your minister doesn't know a darn thing about Yahshua the Messiah, neither did any of us. Only Yahweh knows the Son. Read. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whom so and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Now listen, Yahshua is saying to come to the Son in another place. He says, no man can come unto me unless the Father draw him first. Now the purpose of you being drawn to Yahshua is Yahshua has the knowledge of the Father and is able to declare him to you. So therefore, your eternal life comes through Yahshua, making the Father known to you, that you might come to a profound knowledge and understanding, and that is your eternal life, ladies and gentlemen. And in John 4.23, we read that Yahweh is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Now listen, this is what you need. You need to know the truth. You need to hear these things taught and see the proof and the witnesses that validate the doctrine that we're trying to get across to you here. It Doctrine came from Yahweh, not from Henry Clifford Kinley, not from me or anybody else. And we want you to just give this a shot. Give it a try. Stick with us. And I assure you that you'll be rewarded and you'll learn things that you never believed possible that you could know. So I hope that made some sense to you. I thank you for the time, and I'll hand it back to the moderator. Peace in Yahshua. Thank you. Thank you to everyone for joining us this evening. Our Madison class holds Zoom class every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We hope that you will join us again. Just a reminder to please stay muted until the live stream has ended. We will now be dismissed by the doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude.
Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Yahweh, our savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our sovereign, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Let us all say, hallelujah.